Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire podcast, Football Edition. We are what you need right now. Jeremy Moss, Matt Kennerly, MWWire.com, Twitter, MWC Wire, Facebook. Yes, we're on Facebook, Mount West Wire. Preseason previews start now. And thank you, of course, to everybody, first of all, for responding to the polls that we've been putting up. Um, that's been really cool to see kind of the the real – there's a lot of passions, unexpected passions, <laughs> you know, because normally we go in alphabetical order and, you know, we've in the last year or two we've tried to mix up the order. So it's been really cool to see the responses really coming in by the hundreds, which really surprised me. Yeah, so we appreciate that. We're now, I guess, our new digs, what, year two now essentially, year one and a half because last year kind of hit halfway through. <laughs> well, we're, we're recording this in late May, and so I think we're coming up <laughs> – that's okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a date attached to the podcast, but I mean, it's they been know. almost a year. Yeah. Sure. Also, one thing we should note, um, we have a Patreon account. We've really used it, but we appreciate those who have been giving us money the past year. Here's what the, we're going to make a new new change to that right now to actually give you guys stuff because blame me. You can blame me if you want, but if you go to patreon.com backslash MWC wire, making a couple tweaks, a few promises, I will hold myself to. So every podcast what we're doing like right now, it's always free. You can listen to it. We put in a few ads here. Me and Matt may talk about sling or FUBU or something. Any pre-recorded ads are not in there. That's so it's just the show. No two minute intro or whatever. So that's pretty cool. If you want, and you get it early as well. So as soon as I publish this, it'll be on Patreon. We're doing another, any other show. We're recording these spoiler. Matt's going to be out of country for a while. And so we record these early because it takes time and we can do it early enough. So anytime we get one done, It'll be over there first. And for that, it's like a buck a month. Cool. You can listen to our next show. I believe it's Colorado State. Instead of waiting two weeks, you can get it right now if you want. So that's obviously a cool thing. And then a few other things we're working around. Any article we do, we'll put without any ads, any videos, or any weird stuff. Because I know how our site is sometimes. I get annoyed sometimes. Crap, I put a video there. But I need the video if we want a few dollars. But we take all that out. So it'll just be a straight article over to Patreon. If you want to, you can comment as well. Cause we don't have comments on USA today for some reason at the moment, you can yell at me or Matt or whomever, if you like, or don't like our stuff or agree, which would be even better. And that's kind of what we're doing right now. So go check it out. If you want to help us out, it'd be great, but that's my little spiel. Now, if you want to help us out a little bit more and be it, don't not be annoyed by um, some videos or pop-up stuff. So that's my little bit today. So go do it now. Pause it and go do pretty, it. Pretty please. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty please. So that's what we're doing. So, yeah, and then let's get to it. We're doing New Mexico Lobos today. The yes, we are. Fans, how surprised were you that this was our first one? You put together the first four teams. First four teams. Mm-hmm. Was it kind of a little surprising that the Lobos uh, came away with this one? A little bit, if only because there was a little bit of back and forth early on, and then you know some unforced. I mean, some unaccountable you know force really pushed the Lobos out in front to stay, but. I mean, it's a good place. It's as good a place to start as any because you know, maybe, maybe more so than any other team in the conference. This program, this team, is at a crossroads. You know, um, we've talked at length about the, uh, you know, the 
off the field stuff that Bob Davey has been dealing with for what the last year or so now at least. And if you want to listen to that show I did with David or Daniel Libet and M fishbowl doing amazing work, Lobo fans apparently don't like him, which I can get if you're diving into your team, but he's opened up a lot of doors to get information like funding for athletics. And he's went into one thing to look into the university and it opened up a five different doors, but go back, listen to it. There's, we don't need to get into it now, but there's just been some, this brief, the very brief version. Listen to that a few months ago, but um, player misconduct, um, Davey saying inappropriate jokes, injuring people, yelling, like over aggressive coaching, not just yelling at you that you need to do better, work on this, but personal insults and covering up other crimes, like uh, or alleged crimes, I should say, like sexual assault or I think potentially even rape, I believe. Some of that stuff kind of alleged out there, trying to get that stuff pushed down to the bottom. Go listen to that show. Daniel's been covered forever. So there's a little bit of uh, stuff in the air with the Lobos on the non-coaching front or non-football field front where back then I predicted him. He also suspended for spring for 30 days, so don't forget that. David mm-hmm. Neal a coordinator, but I kind of put 50 coin toss that he'd be even coaching week one, but I guess right now he's still on track to coach week one. Well, and even beyond all of that, you know, this story of last season was – you know, the huge step back they just took in the win column. You know, I think when what I remember of last year's preview was that when I was looking forward to the 2017 season, I thought that for all the questions they had on defense, that the offense as prolific as it had been in the year or two prior would be able to kind of keep them out in front to be able to keep them competitive And when you look back on the season as it developed, that just never happened. You know, the offense, which two years ago was the number one rushing offense per play, you know, they weren't quite as explosive as they had been in years past. And, you know, the passing game wasn't able to make up for it. You know, Lamar Jordan was injured here and there. The throwbows did not come to fruition. The throwbows, yeah, the throwbows, great hashtag, great idea. Poor execution, I guess you could say. Not on our part. Well, yeah, not on our part. But, um, <laughs> but And then the defense, you know, by some measures did take a little bit of a step forward. You know, they had a couple of moments where, you know, it looked like it might be a, kind of a different look by how how well the defense played here and there. But ultimately just three wins last year. And I think, you know, maybe more so than the off-field stuff, you know, if – they can't engineer a rebound coming into 2018. You know, we've talked to, you know, different head coach in the future. And if, you know, if they can't get off to a strong start this year, you know, those kinds of discussions are only going to get a little bit louder. Well, just not just on the field, but like I said, off the field stuff too. So yeah, I, if we, we haven't discussed this before, but if we're, we're, we'll probably do some sort of hot seat ranking at some point, but I think Davies, Davies number one by a mile. Even more so than Matt Wells. Definitely. And it's not even close. Yeah. They also, and also, this stuff happened too. They have a new offensive coordinator, Bob the Beast, went to, what did he go, Georgia Southern? Was that correct? He, he went to Georgia Southern, yeah. To go run his awesome offense, I like, that he's a unique trip. What, what do we call it? I just call it a run option because it's pistol. We've seen what it is. It's a veer option, triple option, um, spread attack, spread option. So he's gone, but the offense, they brought in the guy from Arizona, the co OC. And so hope, they're hoping to kind of do what he did with um, – oh, shoot. Was it Khalil Tate? Is that their quarterback in Arizona? It, it was Khalil Tate. Yeah. yeah, he replaced Brandon Dawkins. That's right. ended up transferring. And I think, I think that is as good a place to start as any when you start talking about this year's team, if only because 
I mean, for me, I think whatever performance he can get out of this offense, which all of a sudden has a lot of question marks compared to the last couple of years, mm-hmm. you know, if he can put the if he can get the offense off to a fast start, I think that's going to do wonders for Davies' job security. And I, I went back and I looked, you know, at his performance versus New Mexico's performance in the last few years. We should probably mention the new OC's name. Yeah. It's Calvin McGee. Yes. Who was part of the Rich Rodriguez staff at, uh, at in, down in Tucson. And buckets of points upon points. Yes. And, you know, when I went back and I looked at the numbers, and I actually watched a little bit of their video too. And, I mean, I'm not like a – I'm not a Doug Farrar film guy by any stretch. But, you know, I wanted to go and see if I could glean anything from how New Mexico's offense looked in the last couple of years, and especially last year, versus how Arizona's offense looked with Khalil Tate under center. And, you know, I did notice a couple of things. You know, one of the big things that New Mexico fans might be able to expect was that, at least in the the games that I was able to watch, there was significantly less pre-snap movement. You know, you talk a lot about you know, DeBessie maybe doing a little bit, you know, a few different things. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I noticed a lot from Arizona's offense was a lot of three and four receiver formations, which you didn't often see a lot of in the last couple of years. You know, in New Mexico, you're kind of used to seeing two or three guys in the backfield. What Arizona was doing was maybe putting three receivers out there, plus a tight end as kind of an H-back behind the line of scrimmage. And, you know, using Tate and whoever was with him in the backfield, there was a lot of real simple run pass options or a lot of simple, simple zone reads where you were either handing it off to the running back or letting Tate make magic. Um, but there was also a lot of quick passes, which, you know, not even a, a three-step drop. It was literally, you get the snap and you throw it to a receiver and see if he can make something with the space that he has. And, you know, the first biggest question that I have with all of that, because obviously with, when you look at Arizona's production, you know, in the same way that we've talked about how explosive New Mexico's running game was, you know, I think it was on a per play basis, Arizona was number one in the Pac-12 in yards per carry. So, you know, that's all well and good. But I think for me, what it comes down to the first biggest question around this team I don't think they have anybody that's on Khalil Tate's level. And I mean, maybe that's kind of stating the obvious, but I think we kind of expect Tavaka Tuiati to be the number one guy. And I'm not sure if he's up to the challenge. So you don't think he's the entrenched starting quarterback and come in fall? I mean, I think he probably will be. Because he but played, I don't know, played a good amount I don't last know year. If he's the, he did. But, you know, as a passer, you know, there's a huge difference between him and Khalil Tate. Like, you know, think of Tate as being like a prolific passer. But, you know, at least among group of five quarterbacks, I went and I looked at this. He was one of only five quarterbacks across the group of five to throw at least 100 passes and have a quarterback rating under 100. And he completed less than half his passes, more interceptions than touchdowns at four to six. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like you know, New Mexico has ever really emphasized the passing game. You know, there was the the thing a couple of years ago where they had Austin Apodaca coming in and, and throwing in more obvious passing situations. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever to do. And I mean, I think I don't know if they have the guys in the backfield now to be able to come back and do that again. Because, you know, Tuiati is probably the guy. He's probably going to get the majority of the snaps. Maybe they split snaps a little bit like they did with Dawkins and Tate for a while last year. 
Um, you know, Colton Gearhart was obviously still back, but neither of those guys really inspired a lot of confidence when I saw them play last year. There could be a little bit of Colton Gearhart, maybe, but again, yeah. he at least he completed over fifty percent of his passes. But then again, remember his offense? Like we've seen what Arizona's done with Khalil Tate and uh, McGee and um, Richrod. There, they're going to run a lot too. It may not be. I'm assuming the Lobos, if they're smart, they'll keep most of their base, kind of what they've been doing the past couple years with the Beast, where it's just the you see the run attack of your option, the three guy, the pistol, the diamond formation. They may move away from it here and there just because to make a, not that this would be a, a like a, a hard right turn to change your offense to this, to what Arizona does, but you still want to have a smooth transition where you still have some of the plays that, because the offense worked great. I think part of it was the talent, the running back group decreased quite a bit last year, like McCorley, Daryl Chestnut, uh, Romel Jordan, all those guys who aren't back, they didn't pr- play that well compared to the guys the year prior to that. And so that's an issue. And what, and I think it's part of it too, talent, but Remember, a couple years ago, at least the past two years, they've been stacking up on wide receivers for who knows why. To I guess to make the throw bows a thing, they do bring back a lot of receivers. So they, I think they'll be passing more. I don't know how much quick passes they do, unless it's like those uh, wide receiver screens or like kind of the swing type pass where a guy goes in motion, he passes it right away to the backfield, where it's technically a what, what do you call? It? I guess it's a, a it's a still a rushing play, even though it's like the backwards pass to the guy going in motion. You can see stuff mm-hmm. like that, but I think it was more of a talent thing than an offensive scheme thing because. Even like every year prior, they were just crushing it. It did not matter who it was. But then last year, offensive line couldn't keep a group of five together on there. They couldn't have a starting lineup consistently. And that hurts when you run an offense that's so specific on timing. Like if you watch Air Force, Navy, Army, teams that, or Georgia Tech, teams that do this type of running attack, Air, there's a reason why Air Force typically doesn't miss a beat. They'll bring in, they lose four offensive linemen. They'll bring in all new seniors who never played much before. They go perfectly fine because they know the system year after year after year. And so that tells me two things. One, what were you teaching the backups? Why, I, I get why the backups are not playing, not as good, but they should know the same scheme. What's going on? They're practicing that every day. So mm-hmm. their injuries and talent, I think, because we know Lobos don't recruit at an extremely high level, but they're at, every year up until last year, they have been amazing running attack and then just kind of fell off the wheel. So they'll probably pass a little bit more. They have a ton of receivers coming back, but – It'll be interesting to see how much it changes from McGee to or to McGee from what they had years past. And I, I don't know. I assume it'd be the same Toyota going there quarterback, but I don't. Gerhardt played a little bit. He didn't he come from Arizona State? I want to say yes. And so he's probably can pass a bit more. But I think if you think about it, the way Toyota play Toyota plays, he's a guy where this is what they want. He's more in a build guy like uh, Jeremiah Masoli. Not that the talent wise, but he could run and throw. Lamar Jordan couldn't throw all that great. I mean, like, whoever quarterbacks in the past, I'm trying to think of who they were, but doing this for too many years. But they could only run. And I said, if they could, like, pretend to throw, like, even fake and be able to throw decent enough, they'd be really good. I think Tuyatsi has that talent to where he could throw well enough that they should be more successful passing and also keep the running game at a high level. But he's yeah, yeah, skill level. That's the only thing, skill level. Like, I think he has it, but actually conceptualizing it and doing it is another question. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing you can give him credit for was that he was much better than Jordan last year at avoiding sacks. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you know, Jordan took 12 sacks and he only had 93 attempts. That's like a sack rate of nearly 12%. You know, Tuiotti, on the other hand, had a sack rate under 2%. And so, you know, while the offense through the air was never quite as explosive as I think, you know, many Lobos fans expected them to be, I think there is a point you know, if they can hit on one or two more of those 
you know, passes, and which I think this new offense may enable because, you know, one of the other things I noticed in going back and watching Arizona from last year was, you know, you run a play auction off of the, off of the run pass option, and then you see Tate throwing 20, 30 yards down the field to a guy that's wide open. So to me, you know, one of the guys that stood out from last year was Jay Griffin, who's their leading returner. He was only a freshman last year. But he put together a 69% catch rate, and he had you know four touchdowns, which are both pretty nice for the offense they were running. But for me, one of the big keys is you know there were two guys especially that stood out. You know, Delane Hart Johnson, who we mentioned him last year, and I'm going to mention him again because he's their biggest wide receiver. You know, is he going to be a guy that can stretch the field, or someone like Hugh Drennan, who only caught nine passes last year? But both of those guys, Hart Johnson and Drennan, averaged over 20 yards per catch between them. You know, the big difference between those two and a guy like Griffin was where, you know, Griffin's catch rate was pretty impressive. You know, Hart Johnson and Drennan had catch rates of 40, 45 and 37%. If they can inch those up even at least a little bit, you know, if you're talking about guys who are stretching the field with those kind of coin flip passes which, you know, you alluded to when you're talking about, you know, can Tuioti push the ball down the field? If they can inch that up a little bit, I think that makes what seems like a presumed strength of this team into something that has a lot of potential, you know, because they have these guys with experience, but the experience is going to have to turn into production at some point, or at least a little more production. So do you think Tyrone Owens, let's go to running backs now. We've already done enough QB talk, I think. But do you think it's production? Because he was the guy last year only had, and again, 770 yards, which is way low compared to, like, looking back at 2016 for rushing, like, Lobos had guys like, uh, who was up, like, Terry Gibson, 1,200 yards. Tyrone Owens had 1,000 yards a year before. So I'm wondering, I guess, any other more Jordan, three guys had 700 yards plus in 2016. I'm not, I forget why Owens dipped down, maybe because he was getting too many carries, but he had 137 last year, or two years ago, and then last year he had like basically the same amount. Again, probably injury offensive line, but I think he could be a guy where it would not surprise me if he were a top three rusher this coming year. Assuming, I know the numbers may not be the same with this new offense, you want to pass probably a bit more, but I don't see why he can't rush for at least 1,200 yards based on every year but last year for Lobo's offense. I mean, I think that that's another big question, if only because, and maybe this is the last big difference between Arizona and New Mexico last year, or at least in the last two years, what the Wildcats did was not only was Tate a better passer than anybody that New Mexico has had in the last couple of years, but he also shouldered more responsibility as a runner, which is a huge contrast to what you've seen from New Mexico in the last couple of years. You know, Tate had... 140 carries last year, which was second on the team. And in 2016, I'm trying to pull this up real quick. And of course, the tab is. <laughs> I don't even see. So me, I don't even me, see let him. Let me maybe on, just on. Let me just because well, I think two years ago was Brandon Dawkins. Yeah, was Brandon the Dawkins. Primary quarterback. Yeah, yeah, Dawkins had 131 carries in 2016. Last year, um, Tate actually had 153 rush, at least on CFB stats. So when you compare that to, and granted last year was a little bit of quarterback shuffle, but Lamar Jordan was only fourth on the team in rushes after you adjust for sacks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gerhardt only had 35 carries. Tuioti only had 26 carries. So for me, the big question is, you know, if Tuioti is the guy under center, 
are they going to expect him to do more as a runner? He'd have to, because a little bit. A little bit. I mean, but can he do it? Because, yeah, on the one hand, he did average over six yards of carry when he did run. But, you know, you're asking him to basically be maybe the two in a one-two punch with Owens. Or, you know, if one of their young running backs like Kentrell Moran, I think is a guy who probably has a lot of expectations being thrust upon him, if only because, like you mentioned, they're losing two significant guys from last year in McCorley and Chestnut, and they're probably going to need more than one guy to replace that production. And when you look at the recruiting classes the last couple of years, one thing you mentioned was that you know, they struggled to recruit. And, you know, back in 2016, they were fifth, but in the last two years, they've been dead last in recruiting across the Mountain West. But one of the guys they were able to bring in in that 26 class was Moran. And so I'm interested in seeing, you know, just how much work he's able to get. Because if they can approach kind of a, you know, it's similar kind of timeshare to what Arizona did last year. What you saw were three guys, you know, Tate, J.J. Taylor, and Nick Wilson, who they both had anywhere between, or the, all three of them had between 128 and 147 rushes, carries rather. And I'm thinking that if they can do something similar at New Mexico, that's going to make life a lot easier. So let me ask you this. With, uh, I think I do think they need three running backs or three rushers, I should say. Looking at 2016, last time New Mexico was really good running the ball because last year they were just mm-hmm. not great. He had Gibson running back 1,200 yards. He had Owens 1,000 yards. Lamar Jordan had 739 yards. I think um, Toyota should be able to should, needs to be in that range, a minimum 500 yards on the ground. Because in the offense they run, if the quarterback's just handing the ball off and they know they're not the defensive line isn't going to respect some sort of read option or some option to the outside they could just focus in uh, and just, you know what I mean? They, don't, they could they could zero in on what they're going to do and who they're going to attack with the ball or without the ball. They can just mm-hmm. go take out the running backs and let him try to run. And it's not successful if they if they don't trust him or they aren't going to use him as a weapon. Like, who cares if he's going to toss it every time? They know. So they're going to stack the side, and it's going to be a toss. He's never going to run it. So that's why they need him to have at least 500 yards. I think that's reasonable. 100 carries, 500 yards, 5 yards a carry. That's not out of the ordinary for this offense. We assume what should be somewhat similar. I mean, yeah, I don't think that's unreasonable, but I think if they want to be competitive, they're going to need more than that. Well, I know. Well, look, last seven, I mean, from if, as your third rusher at 500 yards at the quarterback position, I think that's fine. You think How much do you think they need, 750? Because Jordan got about 700, like 700, two years in a row, he had seven, was it 730, then 800 in 2015. But I think one of the differences is touchdowns. He had nine touchdowns in 2015, Lamar Jordan did. Yeah, I mean, I think that sounds about right. I don't know, and that, I don't know. It's just interesting because I'm going back even farther. Jordan is a freshman, 600 yards rushing. So I think, yeah, he, I'd say okay, I'll, I'll put to 600. They need him to have at least 600 yards on the ground. Mm-hmm. Well, and and one of the other things you've mentioned a couple times that maybe we can get into was the fact that the offensive line was kind of a mess for most of last year. And I think that if they can stay healthy, that'll be another step in the right direction, too. Because, you know, Aaron Jenkins is back. He's quietly one of the better tackles in the league. And they do have Charlie Grammel, who, you know, can probably spend time at either tackle or guard whenever they need to. But, you know, they brought in several dudes along the offensive line as Juco recruits this year. And so I think one of the things that's going to be really critical for the Lobos to get back on track on offense 
is being able to find guys to just plug into the line to replace the production that left. And, you know, they do have any number of options in that regard. You know, Trey Bland was a guy from Riverside City College who, you know, was a guy they brought in. David Savala, Jared Sylvester. So, and then, of course, I think it'll help that one of their other big recruits from 2016, Teton Saltz, is also going to be back along the offensive line somewhere. You know, like Moran, he was another one of those three-star recruits from 2016 that I think could make a difference if he stays healthy. Because he started a couple of conference games, you know, early in the slate last year before he was ended up he ended up being lost for the season with injury. So there there is some promise, but they're going to have to answer some questions throughout fall camp as to you know who's going to get you know one of those starting roles on the line. Yeah, because they bring back like you mentioned Jenkins with a dozen starts, they have six starts from Graham. Everybody else is kind of a couple starts here or there, fairly new. But also, like, it, it'll be interesting. And they got decent size, too. Like, look at, um, you see what the uh, Nick, I'm going to butcher his name here, Nick Aya Covangelo? Mm-hmm. 6'7", 342. Put him, up, put him up there in the line. Give him in the guard position. You have guys who are 307, 315, juniors. These are, like, I assume these are most of those Juco guys. I think those guys would you want up there. I know you want some speed a little bit because if they do pulling guards, if you're going extending the field horizontally, uh, for those running plays, you want to have some speed, like the guys who are six five two seventy, like Tenton Saddles there, or the guys with Brett Radson Jing at six two two sixty five. Guy, you want kind of combos both, but I don't know. It's I think the main thing is with this offense, like I said before, timing, timing is everything, and precision. You know, you're going to be blocking this guy every time on this type of play. Keeping a healthy set of five is what they really need. And that's, Absolutely. And I, I know it's pretty simple to say, but when it's a timing offense, because even though they run a million different plays, they might run the same play at a four formations. It could be a diamond formation, a guy going in motion. They're, they can run the exact same play, but have, like I said, half a dozen lineups with two tight ends or a bunch set where it's like the jumbo set or th- four wide receivers. They may not do four, but you know what I mean? They can run the same play out of multiple sets. So mm-hmm. getting those guys healthy is what they need. And the receiving-wise, we kind of skipped over that. I don't know. They had – they passed better and caught better more than they have in years past. They bring a lot of guys back, such as Chris Davis. There's got to be some strength there. You know what I mean? I, I Catch rate got to be better than 50%, but only like what, two guys got that who had more than uh, 10 catches, it looks like. Yeah. So you got to – there's enough experience back, like Q Drennan. Like you mentioned the guys for Hart Johnson. They has got to – I think my prediction, they're going to throw a bit more than they have in years past, which is probably not saying much, but I think that's what they need to do. But – their calling card is running the ball well and using their unique setup in that type of place. Well, and one other thing that I think is worth mentioning because it's one of those things that, you know, I kind of hope it regresses was that, you know, New Mexico's offense was also very turnover prone last year. And when you look at, you know, how many giveaways they had last year, the only team in the conference that had more giveaways was San Jose state. Oh boy. Yeah. And, yeah, and we'll talk more about the defense in a minute. But, you know, the defense was, you know, they were okay. They were middle of the pack and with, uh, you know, or maybe they weren't actually now that I'm sorting by the column. But more to the point, you know, they were minus 16. And a lot of that was driven by the fact that they turned the ball over 29 times. And I don't think there's any one guy you can pin down for that because they had 14 interceptions. They had 15 fumbles. So even if they can cut that by, you know, I don't know, a third 
you know, if they could get back to where they were in 2016 per se, you know, they were only minus one and they, they were kind of, you know, unremarkable in their ability to create turnovers on defense, but they only gave it up 14 times. So even if they can approach that number, that is another one of those things that, you know, it's kind of fickle from year to year trying to predict how that's going to happen. But if they could to, if they could just start by taking better care of the football, that'll be a step in the right direction as well. All right, let's do a, since we're about the halfway point, we'll maybe let's take a quick, for everybody, quick timeout. And then we'll be back to talk some Lobo defense. All right, Matt, your Lobo defense, um, can we just say they're bad and move on to schedule? Uh, I mean, I <laughs> I'm think I'm sorry, that folks. It's too easy to do that. <laughs> I mean, I think it maybe oversimplifies a little bit. A little, yeah, I'd say so. Let's give it some better insight. <laughs> well, and I'm, but I mean, I, I only say that because, you know, there were moments last year where you could see this defense turning into something. And, you know, on a per-play basis, they weren't too bad, all things considered. Like, they, they gave up over six yards of play, um, but they were slightly better last year on a per-play basis than they had been in 2016. And they were, you know, they've been fairly consistent, I think, actually looking back over the last three years, they've been kind of within a tenth of a yard as far as, you know, yards per play. But, the, you know, one of the biggest things is, you know, that I mentioned a minute ago is where the turnover is going to come from. Mm-hmm. Because they've been eh, kind of, you know, dicey in that regard. And I think maybe it's helpful to start at the back end and work our way up. Because one of the things that stands out is they have a couple of really interesting pieces in their secondary that I think are worth talking about which you may not have said a year or two ago. No. But they had some guys who who really stepped up, and I'm thinking specifically about Jalen Burrell and D'Angelo Ross. You know, a pair of cornerbacks, which is more than, you know, a lot of teams, I think, in the conference can say, who were, you know, pretty decent in the fact that they combined last year for 21 pass breakups, which is actually not bad. That's really good. But the big, but the big thing is... You know, can they turn some of those pass breakups into interceptions? Because do you know how many interceptions they had last year? Two. Zero. Oh, I was going to. I thought I felt zero was too easy of an answer, so I went with the low number like two. So no interceptions. That's brutal. You got to have a couple, man. You can't yeah. just have zero. Well, that's the thing. Like they were, they were very competitive when it came to contesting plays. But you know, that's another one of those things where you know I talked about turnovers a minute ago. You know, it's hard to say that that that's one of those things that happens naturally is if you are in the vicinity of contesting a play that eventually those turn into interceptions. But I think one of the things that they're going to have to contend with is the fact that, you know, a lot of their turnover production on defense graduated, you know, because Jake Rothschiller has gone. He had an interception. You know, Jacob Gurgle's gone. He had two interceptions and six pass breakups. So those two guys, I think, especially are going to be key to that kind of defensive turnaround because they were okay when it came to defending the pass last year. But, you know, if they want to survive, I think, in a deep in a in a division, especially that's going to be no less forgiving when it comes to throwing the football, because you know Nick Stevens may be gone. But KJ Carter Samuels is still a pretty good quarterback. Brett Rippon's still around. Um, Jordan Love and Utah State, what they want to run four or yeah. five wide even yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so i think that you know for a team that was you know okay 
when it came to you know, defending against the pass last year, they were slightly below average in the conference. They ranked ninth as far as um, you know quarterback rating allowed. But when you adjust that, you know, by conference they were a little bit worse, and they only had two interceptions during conference play. They gave up 17 touchdowns through the air. That is one of the things that's going to have to improve. And I think that Burl and Ross are going to be have the one are going to have to be the ones who lead that particular charge. Yeah, and I was looking at like, well, maybe their de- passing defense was bad because of they ran all over them. The other teams, that's not the case. They were just slightly below average in both categories, and somehow mm-hmm. that turned out to be average overall when you go to like yards per play basis. And so it's I, was, I you never know, especially when you play Air Force when you play San Diego State if they did last year, like teams that run a lot, it can skew the numbers, but. There's going to be a little bit less passing this year just because Josh Allen's up there and who knows what Wyoming will come out to be. But they look at the secondary. They have a lot of guys like upperclassmen. Like they have one, two, three, four, four, five seniors, what, six, uh, yeah, five seniors, a handful of juniors, three, four juniors on the roster, a couple of mm-hmm. registered guys. So they have, they can go play deep. Like cornerback is good. They need new safety, new, new, uh, strong and free safety out there. But they have depth to hopefully make up for something. And a lot of guys played last year. They had, Half a dozen guys played ten or more games. It looks like I believe, if my math's right. And, yeah, and so they've had a lot of guys who made lots, a lot of tackles, TFL sacks. Like I guess Jake Roth, Rushler's gone, but they have. I think the depth is there to throw out for. You mean like they have the guys out there where they can find a combination after Burrell and Ross to make something happen because they've yeah. been around. And so hopefully, like D'Angelo Ross. I know DBs are smaller, but one seventy five, five eight. I know he's probably not going to grow, but. That's a problem when you're going up against guys who are like 6'2 wide receivers. How are you going to defend that? That's a problem. And that's always been a problem. That's not, not a New Mexico thing, but most DBs are smaller than wideouts anyways. And so, mm-hmm. but I just think with this returning guys, amount of talent they've had coming back, even though it's not the best talent, they've had experience playing. And last year, for a lot of these guys, probably was their first year playing, first year starting, coming from Juco range, which is a big jump. And so maybe another year, realizing how much more physical, how much faster it is, they could step it up. But it's... I don't know if that'll be their strength, but I don't think it will be. But it's going to be something to watch for because of who Bart Ripon. Boise's going to be passing better, I think, this year because he's going to be the guy. So, but let's go to linebackers. Um, or yeah, what do you think is their best position? Will it be linebackers, defensive line. What do you think their best unit will be? I mean, I think if I had to say who their best player was, I think their best player on defense is at linebacker. So if I were going to answer that question, I think that's where their primary strength is going to be. With Alex yeah, because Hart? I think with, you have to start with Alex Hart, yeah. So, yeah, looking at that that unit right there, they bring back all but one starter. Like Austin Ocasio is gone, I believe. We could have linebacker. But like yeah. even Rashashin Epting, he did a pretty good job as well. He only played 10 games. I don't remember his injury or not. Decent amount of tackles. That's the one problem I see here. Like, or no, sorry, I'm, I'm going to get slow tackles. Even total tackles overall. You know what the problem is? Like, your defensive backs last year have more tackles. Their top three DBs overall last year had more tackles than Alex uh, Hart did. That's a problem. You need your linebackers to get 60, 70, 80 tackles on the year. They need, I don't know why that's the case. They just spread out everywhere, it seems like. Like, defensive line, not many tackles overall. Like, 31 for uh, Kene Okawanko, who's gone this year. But your linebacker has to have, like, 80, 80 tackles minimum, I think. Like, your best guy. Doing 40 is not acceptable. 44 is not what they need. Yeah, and I mean, I think maybe some of it has to do with the fact that they gave up maybe more long plays than they would have liked. Yeah, you know, because they were slightly below average when you look at you know twenty plus yards 
uh, rushing plays allowed. You know, they were eighth in the conference. And when you look at what they were doing through the air in that regard, I'm trying to pull this up real quick. Here's the interesting stat. We do that six players, yards per play, defensive back, six allowed 10 plus yards per play. Yeah. So, I mean, they were slightly below average, you know, defending, you know, explosive plays on the ground and through the air. They were eighth in both categories last year. That's what I was trying to look up. And so maybe that has something to do with the fact that maybe playmakers are getting behind the linebackers more often than you would have liked. But, you know, if they've got guys who can you know, move sideline to sideline, you know, if they can do a better job of, of bottling up those explosive plays in 2018, you know, that I think can have a cascading effect where when you look at what they were able to do on, you know, first down, because I, I like to look at SP plus for instance, and an SP plus on first down on defense, they were right around the national average, which is, you know, not bad for New Mexico defense, but they, they were in the triple digits on second down and third down. And I think that is an area where they can improve is just being more productive, making more plays, even if it's not, you know, sacking the quarterback or anything like that, just being able to, you know, improve a little bit in that regard. But do you think overall the defense will be better? I mean, I think there's a lot of questions, you know, maybe more so than on offense where it really comes down to one or two big things, you know, because I think one of the things they're going to have to figure out is, you know, how to generate a pass rush, which, yeah, they do run a three, three, five. So, you know, they they come at it a little bit differently than you know, a lot of other teams. But, you know, last year they, you know, again, were a little bit below average in generating sacks. They were ninth in the conference with only 21. And, you know, that I think historically has been, you know, a weakness of theirs. So I'm not sure if they have one guy who's going to be able to address that. I think if I had to guess, it would be Epting. But I think he's going to need some help in that regard. Yeah, I think because, like you said, they're – Yards per play given up has been relatively stable overall, mm. but yards per, play, yards per play is fine. But it's also where you go within the conference. They've been anywhere from like six to tenth the past couple of years, I believe. Like I think yeah. the high is sixth, and so yeah, give up six yards per play. But when the rest of the conference is doing the same thing, you might be a bit better. I think, I think they might be a tad better, but I don't know. Like I said, there's no one dominant guy. This defense isn't going to stuff some teams whoever they play, like when they're playing like at Utah State, when they go to Wisconsin, they'll be crazy. Even New Mexico State last year, they gave up, what, 20 – they had to come back from like a 25-point deficit in that fourth quarter or something, down like 30 to 3 or something, they came back and made it close. Mm-hmm. The defense has to be more consistent because, like you said, big plays is a big is an issue for them. I think it's like with any team. If they can not allow so many 20-plus yard plays, they'll be in a lot more games, especially if the offense can take a – recover from last year for being their worst year in about half a decade. But I just think that offense, or excuse me, defense will be where it has been, maybe right at average in yards per play given up. That's kind of a key stat. But they got to have a few more picks, and they might get there. But I just don't have too much confidence of saying this. Because look at the defenses in the league really quick. Boise will be really good. Wyoming, mm-hmm. Fresno, San Diego State, those are four will probably be top 30 nationally. I think that's possible. Yeah. And so you got those four teams there. So they're not going to be better than Utah State probably defensively. Um, I don't the eighth. I don't know. It's like Hawaii's defense has not not very good. So they'll be like battling. I don't know. Eight. They might be eighth. I don't know. Being average might be too much to ask 
compared to the top four, which will be really good. Yeah, and I mean, they're going to need to figure out a couple of how to plug a couple of the holes up front, too, because Garrett Hughes, you know, is very quietly productive over the last couple of years. He's gone. You know, Kaneo Konkwo is gone. Those two combined for 10 tackles for loss last year, and Hughes pitched in a couple of sacks as well. And I think that, you know, they have some options because, you know, obviously Cody Baker's back. Jermaine Conyers probably is going to plug the middle of the of that defense, you know, big dude at 6'2", 326. But, you know, this may be another one of those instances where, you know, some of their highly touted recruits like Najee Flowers, you know, if he can work his way into a starting role, that might make things a lot easier. Hmm. All right. Let's go to – should we go to the schedule now? We, or do we need well, special actually, teams because lost their punter who got drafted? They lost. They lost everybody. Yeah. Okay. I saw. I apologize for special teams aficionados out there. Corey Borgicus. He was drafted what sixth round, I believe. I'm Corey Bajorquez. Bajorquez. Jeez, I'm terrible. <laughs> See, nothing <laughs> ever changes, does it? <laughs> Never. Jay, oh wait, hold on. Do I get this one right? Jason Sanders. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's yes. Right. Nailed it. <laughs> Yes. And, and I mean, those two guys were pretty good the last couple of years. So, you know, more so than many other teams, being able to replace those guys is probably going to be pretty critical. Um, but I mean, thankfully, they do have some options. You know, I believe the kicker, um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, Austin Shelley, I think is the, the presumed starter right now at kicker. Sure. Uh, Andrew <laughs> Shelley, excuse me. You know, they, so they had they had backups last year who redshirted. So and and um, John Mitchell, I think, is presumed to be the punter coming into this year. But I, you know, that's one of those things they're probably going to sort out as fall camp goes along. But if they can find guys to step into those situations, you know, one of the things that I think they'll want to you know try to match is Jason Sanders last year had touchbacks on over eighty percent of his kickoffs. Which, you know, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it kind of is because it helps them manage field position. You know, even if the defense wasn't great at stopping people, you know, they were pretty good at having situations that to set themselves up for success because they did rank in the top 40 last year as far as average field position. So if they can duplicate that, then I think that gives a defense with a lot of question marks a chance you know, because if they have to make offenses work their way down the field, that's still better than nothing, if that makes sense. Yeah, they can turn the field a little bit. Um, like their kicker, Sanders, was made every PAT, which he should, pretty good within 30-yard range, not too bad outside of 40. But, yeah, if they are if they need to get a 60-yard punt and give their defense a chance, that's always something. And they return their uh, kick returner and, I think, punt returner? Or is it one of the two? Kick returner, sorry. Elijah Lilly had touched yeah, on Yeah, Elijah Lilly. He um, probably... He might be preseason player of the year, special teams player of the year, I think, would come July. He's definitely in the conversation. All right. So we should we get the schedule now? Is that okay? Now we can do the schedule. Yes, schedule time. So good thing we have a couple of good things that came out today. Over under win totals came out today, or at least recently. I should I should never say today because one of these podcasts will be re- recorded and aired two months later. So at the time of recording, mm-hmm. the uh, some casino put out win totals. Have you looked at this yet at Lobo's win totals? I have. Okay. Were you shocked that it's at four? Yes. What was your – so too high, too low? Is Would it be a spoiler to answer that question? No, not really. 
I think it's too high. <laughs> too high. So also going at four means you take five or three. And there, there's no way they're getting to five wins. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. There's no way they're getting to five wins. So that's what it came out for their... Yeah, and I mean, I think I depth with that. And just to, before we get into the particulars of the schedule, but I think the, the most difficult part of getting to five wins is the fact that, yeah, they get all of their toughest games at home, but their toughest games at home are really tough. You mean Fresno, San Diego State, Boise, and Wyoming? <laughs> mm-hmm. And they get Liberty at Dreamstyle Stadium. That's true. And Incarnate Word. That's also true. All right, so let's um, – I play this game with Eli on the basketball show, so I may kind of skim through some of these. The uh, It's the BPI for basketball, FPI for football. So, obviously, uh, we're going to predict the Liberty – or not Liberty, but Incarnate Word should be an easy victory. Do you want to guess what the um, FPI is for um, the victory chances for Lobos in this one? Uh, is it, well, like 80%? Crap, my internet's going so I can't find it. Um, I'm going to guess – I haven't seen this yet either. I think it's going to be 90-plus percent victory potential chances as I pull it up here. You think just 80? Well, I don't know how that works. I, all I know is I have the S&P plus win probability in front of me. Does that say 100%? 99.9? <laughs> they, they put it at they put it at 98%. 98%. Uh, oh, crap. They don't have one here. Never mind. I'll need to look at this later because I am woefully unprepared now. That's okay. We'll go, we'll go Converse, conversely, you know, the next week they're at Wisconsin. 0%, right? On F, S&P plus? 4%, but close enough. That's 3% higher than I thought it would be. <laughs> that game's gonna be rough. Um, Jonathan Taylor, whatever, will run for 500 yards on the ground against this team. Uh, do you? Um, this is a weird question, but or kind of a dumb, stupid, dumb question because we asked those. What would it? How would New Mexico win this game? Oh, I think they'd have to. I mean, they'd probably have to win on special teams first so of all. They'd have to or get a get a break somehow. Yeah. Um. My guess is they'd have to just try to keep Wisconsin off the scoreboard just because, you know, they do have some playmakers, the Badgers do, because you mentioned Taylor and Alex Hornerbrook is also a pretty solid quarterback, if not necessarily like a game breaker like some of the other Big Ten quarterbacks. But, you know, I think if they can slow Wisconsin down just a little bit, I think that's going to be what it takes because – you know, you're looking at a team that last year, even without, you know, a presumed first team linebacker in Jack Cinchy, still managed to pace the Big Ten in yards per play on defense. So I'm not thinking that the Lobos are going to win a slugfest by being able to move the ball a lot. I'm thinking they're going to win it by preventing Wisconsin from moving it a lot. I think I also found FPI real quick. 98% against Incarnate Word at home. 1.3% mm-hmm. at Wisconsin. <laughs> Yikes. I, like, honestly, if they're going to have any chance, special teams, great area. If you get any field goal attempts, don't miss those. But I think keeping them off the field with their run attack offense, and it's such a, such a unique offense, Lobos probably have a, a, a few plays here or there where they break one off for a big run. But there won't be enough to do that. And the Wisconsin offense will just push over and steamroll the defense. So, like, I, if they keep it within three touchdowns, I'd be surprised. Yeah. Because Wisconsin's going to be probably top 15 team in the first oh coaches ap poll probably be a contender for the big 10 outside chance to make a playoff so it'll be uh, interesting so the next real unique game i like on here is at new mexico state the rio grande rivalry 
the Aggies are now an independent FBS. Um, they're playing out. I think don't they have a home and home with Liberty in next year in football? <laughs> Is that uh, they have a home and home with Liberty this year in football. That, that's what I meant. I guess I should start saying this year, not next year. So, really quick, the Aggies are projected to win by five points. Lobos are given about a 39% chance to win the game. Aggies are coming off a bowl victory over Utah State, so there's that. I it's, it's, it's dumb to say it's a rivalry game, but what the Aggies have done over the past couple of years in this matchup, it, it's always like it is stupid to say, but they're reasonably close games. Even last year, it was, it was thirty to twenty-eight. Aggies were up big. Lobos had to make some ferocious comeback to make it close. So, if nothing else, this game will be quite exciting. I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, last year's game was an instance where you know the Lobos just looked flat for about three quarters, and then rallied in the fourth quarter to really you know make the the margin look closer than it actually was for the majority of that matchup. And I mean, just the way that I see it is that, you know, New Mexico is a team that's weaker this year, whereas New Mexico state, you know, even though they're missing, you know, a few key offensive pieces, you know, Tyler Rogers is gone. Larry Rose is gone. Jaleel Scott is gone. That's their, their leading passer, rusher and receiver. But, you know, I like the players that they have coming back. I think Nick Jinty, even if he's not, you know, quite as prolific a passer as Rodgers was, I think he'll do just fine with this offense. Mm-hmm. You know, Jason Huntley is a guy who averaged six yards per carry. And, you know, even though they're missing Scott, you know, they have three other guys who had at least, you know, 30, 40 catches last year. So, you know, it's an efficiency offense that's going up against a, a defense that has a lot of questions. And, you know, a defense that last year, by a lot of measures was better than it had been in a really long time. And it's a defense that's bringing just about everybody back besides, you know, Dalton Harrington, their middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the spread, I mean, the the numbers say it should be five points, but I just, you know, looking at this now just doesn't seem like a very good matchup to me. And I'm thinking New Mexico State wins it. I think Aggies will probably win, but here's where I give the Libos a chance. Offense, they like they lose Larry Rose. Tyler, Tyler Rogers, quarterback, running back, gone. They lose their top two receivers, Joel Scott, who had 76 catches last year, 100 targets, 1,000 yards. But So the weapons may not necessarily be there. But then again, their offensive line is all back but one guy. They, you mentioned defense nearly everybody's back. So I think there could be a chance if the Aggies offense stutters. It is week three, so they'll have a couple games themselves. I think if the Aggies off, like the so Mexico defense, Aggies offense, they kind of collide, and it takes New Mexico State a little bit to get going, trying to find a quarterback who's gonna, if Huntley really gonna be that good running the ball, which he probably should be, I think, that could be the only area I think where Aggies uh, may not run away with this one. But I still think Lobos are not gonna win, but that's how they could win is if the offense for New Mexico State isn't as good as it was last year, which I don't think it will be, but that's like the only area defense will probably. Unless something crazy happens with Lobos and McGee get something running going from week one. But also, another reason they're not going to win, you play out Wisconsin, that's you're going to get beat up so bad. You're going to get crushed and bruised and whatever battered, all those adjectives you want to use for getting beat up. So mm-hmm. I think it might be single digits, but I'd still give it to the Aggies at this point sitting here in uh, the offseason in pre-summer. Yeah. So that's a loss for me. So Liberty, um, what do we know about Liberty? Do you know anything about Liberty besides them being a new FBS team and wanted to pay millions upon millions to join the Sun Belt? Who said no? (laughs) 
Well, let's also forget Conference USA also said no. Oh, it was, maybe it's Conference USA. I knew one of those teams. No, it was both of them. It was both oh, Conference both. USA and the Sun Belt. That's what we get for having Jerry Ball attached to your university. Sorry. I mean, I, I wish that I had had a chance to watch more Liberty, but I think, you know, just looking at the numbers, one thing that jumps out to me is the team that wants to throw. You know, they're not going to blow you away on the ground because, you know, of their leading returner, you know, they have a guy, Frankie Hickson, on the ground who. 100 carries with only 375 yards, so it's not terribly impressive. But they have a quarterback in Stephen Calvert who, even despite completing only 54% of his passes, had 29 touchdowns against six interceptions last year. And he's got his top four receivers all returning, including a 1,000-yard guy in Antonio Gandy-Golden. So, you know, again, this this particular matchup strikes me as being very similar to the New Mexico State one in in, in that it's an up, it's an offense that wants to pass mm-hmm. uh, against a defense that it's kind of an open question as to how much they're going to be able to stop them. I don't know if either of those teams are going to throw the ball 60 times like Tyler Rogers did in last year's matchup. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think the argument that you just made for their upset chances against New Mexico State are a little bit better this time around against Liberty because, you know, they do have some nice pieces like, you know, Juwan Rush was, you know, 11 tackles for loss and four and a half sacks last year. He might be someone to contend with. Um, You know, they have a very veteran heavy secondary, but I think there might be more room to run the ball against this defense than there would be against New Mexico state. So I think, you know, it's probably going to be competitive maybe more competitive than a lot of level fans would like but i do like this particular matchup for new mexico and i have this one down as a win yeah right now fpi is 72 percent for lobos here's the thing too like turner gill he's been around coach fbs at a few was he buffalo and somewhere else i want to say too you want a mac title at buffalo that's right and then and then he collapsed at kansas oh kansas where coaches go to die Mm -hmm. so here's liberty under fcs they're really really good like, I know they beat Baylor last year, and Baylor was a complete mess, but he still beat an FBS team. has more scholarships and usually more ta- better talent. Every FBS team they played have been pretty close except for a couple. 2016 wasn't great. They lost by double digits in three of them. But in 2015, yeah, they lost to West Virginia pretty bad, but they beat Coastal Carolina, which, whatever you want to say, still an FBS team. Um, they beat App State in 2014, which is a pretty big deal. They beat Coastal Carolina in 2014. They were close to Kent State, close to Coastal Carolina years prior, nearly beat Wake Forest. So they've been, they have talent on this roster, what I'm saying is. And so they've beat a few FBS teams in the past. They've been close. So, and they've been really good in their quarterback. Like, you look at the stats now, it's kind of hard to compare because they're moving up. But I think where, I think this game could be see a lot of points because when you look at the defense, like you mentioned, their top two linebackers are out. They bring back a lot of starters beyond that. Defensive line and linebacker, where you mentioned where they could run against this team, the Lobos could. But offensive line brings back everybody. Receiving brings back everybody. Rushing does lose their starter, but I think there could be a lot of points in this game. I think Calvert would just throw throw like crazy. I think it could be like forty to like thirty plus points for each team in this game. That would not surprise me in the least. But I will go for a Lobos victory. All right. Then they start league play. They get to face uh, IONLV, which. Uh, Yes, FPI, 26% change of victorious. And what does it say for um, S&P Plus? Uh, say 40%. Oh, that's much closer. Which which one do you like better, Matt? Do you predict which uh, numbers suit your uh, prediction better? I mean, I'm 
I'm not really familiar with FPI at all. Like I've been reading Football Outsiders for almost a decade now. As, so. you, sh- as you should. I just want to set the numbers here. That's all. Yeah, so I'm more familiar with S&P Plus and all the, the components that go into it. So, yeah. Okay. So with this matchup, like, we'll again, once we start getting into these league games here, we're not going to dive deep like the non-conference as we sort of did, even though it's not too much, really, if you think about it. Because we're going to talk about UNLV later. We're talking about Colorado State, Fresno. The stretch of their conference, slight, like you said, like looking overall, I'll kind of go big picture for a quick second. They go at UNLV at CSU. Again, those home games you mentioned, Fresno, San Diego State, Boise, well, I mean, every conference home game is going to be a loss. I'm sorry. Can we just say that right now? Yes. Out of those home games, would Wyoming's probably the best chance they have to be to get a win, right? I mean, I think so, yeah. But then again, Andrew, and, Win- Andrew Wingard will just shut you down, right? <laughs> I mean, but that assumes, and obviously we'll talk about Wyoming at some point, but I think a lot of that assumes that, you know, Wyoming will overcome their offensive questions. No, they'll win by defense in that game. They'll win 2-0 to zero if they have to. They're going yeah, to win. <laughs> it is good. Or no, they'll go back to um, Logan Wilson pick six or something. It's Carl, um, we'll do what Carl Granderson did, just pretend to take a handoff in the backfield and run it back for a score. There'll be mm-hmm. something like that in that game. So I don't think we need to discuss Fresno, San Diego State, Boise, Wyoming, because they're all home. I guess Boise could be interesting because they give them troubles, but last year didn't Boise just run them out of the field? Um, well, they got run out of the field on a lot of different places. <laughs> actually, actually, last year's Boise game, if you remember, that was where Lamar Jordan got hurt. Is that where they played five quarterbacks or something? They almost went to quarterback? No, I think that was a couple of years ago. That's Tulsa. But, you That's know, they, they really scu- – I mean, they held Boise to 28 points, which is good. Mm-hmm. But they really struggled to gain any traction on the ground, which, you know, we, we talked about the fact that, you know, they're going to need to be more explosive on the ground. That was one of those instances where Boise really put the clamps down on them, no matter who was under center. So out of the yeah, it's we'll see. It, as also Jake Rowe three touch was it three touches, three touchdowns or something like that. I <laughs> uh, I believe so. No, yeah. sorry, four touches, three touchdowns. So yeah, he, that's where a streak broke of touchdowns per touch, <laughs> which is amazing when you think about it. I, out of all these games, like so, if we're predicting that's losses right there, that's sitting at what two and six, so no bowl game likely. I'm pretty sure it's safe to safe no matter what. Yes. So when they go to UN, let's go back to UNLV then. Because UNLV, like S&P has them at 105th. That seems low. I know they lose guys like Devontae Boyd. They lose a couple other players. But Armani Rogers are back. Charles Williams, Lexington Thomas. They could arguably have the best running attack in the conference, UNLV. And that will that just means doom for the Lobos front seven, which wasn't great last year stopping the ball. And new talent come in, like with Garrett Hughes and those guys gone. I, I think right now I'm going to say I think that could be a blowout for UNLV. Like, Armani Rogers could have a field day against this team. I mean, I think it's probably going to look a lot like last year's game, which, you know, when you look back at the schedule, you know, there were a lot of blowouts, but that was one of the more close games that they had last year. They only lost by three at home, and a lot of that was predicated on the fact that, you know, for once the offense, you know, especially the running game, was able to get going. You know, Tyrone Owens had almost 10 yards of carry. Lamar Jordan had over 10 yards of carry. You know, between Owens, Chestnut, and Jordan, they ended up running for over 130 yards apiece. So, you know, it may be asking a lot to duplicate that kind of explosiveness. But, you know, I think that 
you know, I like UNLV's offensive potential. Obviously, we'll we'll talk more at length about that when we get to their preview. But I think they're very similar in the fact that, you know, UNLV is losing a few key pieces on defense as well. Mm-hmm. And while they do have some young up-and-comers, you know, I think maybe a couple more at least than New Mexico does, it's the kind of game that strikes me as another trying to track me where it's like thir- first to 35 or thir- first to 40 or something like that. But, you know, if I had to, if I had to choose one of these teams to to make a stop, you know, on fourth down deep in, you know, pinned down in their own territory or something like that, I would probably take UNLV. So while I think it'll be a close game, I do think the Rebels will come away with a win in that one. Also, if you remember those, Armani Rogers like biggest game of the year last year. Two hundred eleven yards, hundred and ninety three rushing, two touchdowns. But man, that Lobo defense, a rushing attack, crush <laughs> this is a game where there is eight hundred yards rushing total. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Rebels are gonna be victorious in this one as well. So that's a road. So the Nat CSU at this point, I have no clue what Rams team to expect because do you think potential for Colin Hill to be back under center mid season? I mean, maybe, but would it be that big of a deal if, <laughs> if they just <laughs> let him? If, I mean, well, I'm just saying. Like, I hear you. Would it be a big deal if they let him sit? Because no. it's not like. Uh, let's put it this way. We'll talk more about this later on as well. Mm-hmm. But bringing in KJ Carter Samuels is not the same thing as bringing in Phaeton Valta, in my opinion. Sure. I think it's a better move for what this team wants to be. And, you know, I think that Colorado State, for the amount of disappointments that they had last year, they're still obviously a better team, especially on offense, than New Mexico is. So I'm not thinking, I mean, I'm thinking it'll probably be a fairly comfortable. Rams win. I did too because you get Izzy Matthews. They have um, Richard, uh, no Marvin McKinsey back there, or Marvin McKinsey. Sorry, I still say that. Um, Obasai Johnson, wide receiver. Like Carter Samuels, if he's a guy he played at Washington, was going to go to UCLA for a hot second with Chip Kelly, came to CSU, and so I just think they'll just run over the Lobos and be fine. I would say Lobos have a shot because how bad the Rams' defense has been. Because remember, Rams don't have Marty English anymore, which could be a positive, not having their D.C. So I still think the Rams win, but I think it could be somewhat close, but I, I'm not buying it. I still still think uh, Lobos are not going to get it done. I mean, I think there might be like a backdoor cover or something like that, if there's anything. If it's like a 20-point cover, 20-point line? <laughs> well, the margin by S&P Plus is about six and a half. Hmm. So I'm thinking like last second, like last second field goal to push it from ten to seven or just, something like that. Just for the heck of it, something, yeah, something that'll make a lot of betters in Vegas really mad or happy, yeah, or a state near you, not just Nevada. That's true. <laughs> Got that news coming out. We didn't really, yeah, we talked about that a, a podcast or two ago. Go listen to that, folks. Go uh, listen to this and go hear Matt and I's takes on uh, gambling and other stuff. Um, then you go to Utah State. They're given a 25% chance to win Utah State. And also, one thing at the schedule, they, do they have a buy at all for the schedule? I don't think they do. Nope. Uh, they go straight really? through. September 1, 8, 15. No, they do. Sorry. After New Mexico State and Liberty. So, li- September 29th on, no buy, which kind of stinks. You'd like a buy like maybe mid-October. So, they go to Utah State, go up to Altitude, go up to Logan. Aggies are Matt Wells, the number two coach on the hot seat, I think, after Bob Davey. Is that fair to say? I mean, I would say there's a very significant gap between number one and number two. <laughs> but he's number, but still he's number two, right? I mean, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't say he's on the hot seat personally, 
but yeah okay i mean i guess you could make that argument i just don't think it's a very convincing one at this case or at this point let me just tell you this not to make this aggie show but you have to end a streak of when you're going one in 12 in one possession games that's so, true so i'm just throwing that out there just saying uh, but this one, the Aggies are what loving twelve point favorite, twenty five percent chance to uh, not win the game, or win the game for the uh, Lobos. Again, these league games are not going to dive too deep. But what we know about Utah State, Jordan loves the guy. He's not going to be going Kent Myers. David Yosh, ultimate bro, is going to be the OC again. Obviously, going three, four, five. He'd go six wide if they allowed it, but that's not the, not the rule books. But there'll be a lot of passing, and it'll, like we mentioned for that defense, if the Lobos secondary can actually step up and do something with all the talent coming back. And also Utah State, the running game has been so inconsistent. It's this might be closer than ten point, eleven points, but I still gotta say at Utah State. I mean, so do I. I mean, I I think I have a little bit of a better feeling about Utah State coming into twenty eighteen, if only because like during last year's matchup, New Mexico lost by fourteen, but they also caught the Aggies kind of like, you know, in in a transition where like they caught them in a down week and still couldn't put together the offense to beat them. So I do expect Utah state's offense to be a little more explosive, a little more consistently than they were last year. And I think that's going to make all the difference in that particular matchup. Interesting. All right. So I'm going to, what next game, I guess, air force. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I, I guess it depends. Well, no, it doesn't depend on his quarterback. I still like was Isaiah. Who was the guy who came in last, the final season finale? Next Aaron. Ward. That would be Isaiah Sanders. Sanders. I want to say Burris, but I knew that wasn't right. I say Isaiah Sanders. Not that that's going to make a difference in who I pick, but I just think this game, hopefully we can get a thousand yards rushing in this game. Is that too much to ask? It is not. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and that's only because like when you look at, especially the last three years of this game, you know, maybe it's worth noting that if I remember correctly, I think New Mexico has won the last three against Air Force, but they've all been basically track meets. You know, in 2015, it was 47 to 35. In 2016, it was 45 to 40. And last year, it was 56 to 38. So, you know, if you recall the article that I wrote some time ago, I think it was after the schedule came out you know, the top conference games that you want to look forward to. This is one of those underrated ones every single year, because if you like points, this is the game for you. Will this be the highest point total in the Mountain West this year? I think there's a very good argument for it, yeah. I don't know if the Lobos have the offense to make that happen, though. That's the big question. I, I Actually, here's what I'll say. Nevada versus... Uh, I have to look at their, not their schedule. I would say, like... I don't know, Nevada versus UNLV might be a lot of points. <laughs> it might be. Yeah. I think anybody versus Nevada, partly because Nevada could score points and their defense is probably not going to be very good again. Mm-hmm. So take Nevada versus take pick somebody on Nevada schedule. So, all right. So that's a uh, Boise loss, Wyoming loss. Oh, I guess I'll say Air Force. Uh, the two and a half points is a bit low. I think Air Force could easily handle this by at least a touchdown, even though they've lost three in a row. But I, I think Air Force is down in S and P plus because don't they take a heavy stock in returning talent? They do, yeah. And, and Air Force is you know, different in that, I think. Well, yeah, and New, like I said, New Air Force is also kind of reloading on the ground. You know, they lost Tim McVeigh, they lost Parker Wilson, I believe. And Jacoby Owens has been long gone, I think. Yeah, so, you know, they're kind of reloading in the same way New Mexico is reloading. But, you know, I like their quarterbacks a little bit better. And, and so I like their offensive potential a little bit better than the Lobos. And they like Troy Calhoun a lot better than Bob Davey. 
Yeah, but those defenses. Oh, boy. Yeah. Points. Give me the points. All right, so if that's our schedule breakdown, let me pencil it. Pen. No, that's not pencil. Pencil my Utah State loss, Air Force loss. I'm sitting at two victories for Lobos. So am I. And those are two technically two FCS victories because Liberty's uh, basically a brand new FBS team. No, they're FBS. It counts. Brand new, I said. Brand Still new. counts. Still counts. They're not in a transition phase, so I guess so. Try telling a Lobos fan that doesn't count and see where that gets you. Who's the nicest Lobo fan I know? I can go tap. <laughs> I know. Do you know who Ryan Tamari is? Uh, yes. He used to write for us years ago. Every year, I'll tell a story because I love it. Every time he puts it on his Facebook page, when he used to write for, I think it was a daily. I think yeah, I think it was a daily, daily Lobo, the university paper there. When good old Mike Loxley was head coach, they had Oregon on the schedule, and it was when rest in peace NCAA football. But when it was around. He simulated the game because that's some writers do just just kind of a different angle, something fun. Let's simulate mm-hmm. the game and see what happens. I forget the score. I could look it up probably and find it, but it was like an extreme blowout. And it was like a little sidebar in the paper, like not even a full-fledged article. It's kind of like a the little news and notes, kind of like this, the quick hits essentially about a game coming up. Mm-hmm. I had the final score is actually Davey, or not Dave, sorry, Loxley, I think, went into a bar where one of the coaches got pissed at him about it the day or two before the game. The final score is worse at the actual game than it was in the simulation. <laughs> That's amazing. It was like I want to say like sixty to three or sixty to ten. The simulation ended up being like something similar. And so okay, I, so I just went. I was looking up this game as you were talking about it. Was I right? What, at you, all? Were, what you were referring to is a game from September of twenty ten. And it was 72 to nothing. That's what, that's what it was. Did the simulation have three points, I think? Was that what it was? Oh, I don't remember. I don't know the simulation. I'm, I mean, this is kind of an amazing story, but I'm just telling you the, the real game was as bad as as you recall. Okay, here, I'm going to find it right in here. Um, Loxley's incident at Bar Stirs Talk. It's from Abercrookie Journal um, by Mark Smith. Um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it started in, July, in late July with a tongue-in-cheek video game-inspired pornography. Jeez. Preview of the book game <laughs> against Oregon, which it incidentally turned to be spot on. Um, blah, blah, blah. Where'd it go here? Um, with the Daily Lobo, Canamel Radio, and Journal wanted to see surveillance footage of the Uptown Sports Bar and Grill provided the University Athletic Department of a July 31st incident between Loxley and members of the coaching staff and Daily Lobo sports editor Ryan Tamari and his friend Gil Grillet. The say it wasn't so much of a he confronted us, Grilly said, of the incident. It was just the manner he was holding himself. A coach that makes a million dollars a year shouldn't be dropping F-bombs about everybody in the media. That's amazing. And on Thursday, Loxley refused to comment for the story, according to somebody at the uh, UNM Sports Information. Rumors quickly circulated that the, about the incident snowballed, and word got out to um, Guerrero, video recorded what he says was 17 minutes of the scene on his cell phone. Um, he said he and Tamari were at Uptown when Loxley and members of the coaching staff entered the establishment. He said Loxley started yelling from across the room at Tamari about his column that appeared earlier in the week for the Daily Lobo. Um, the two defended, or Gorilla defended Tamari. Loxley and the coaches came over to the table and continued to criticize him. At times, Loxley used profanity and repeatedly complained about how the local media, including the Lobo, wasn't giving him a chance. EA Sports NCAA football, as fate would have it, actually overestimated. It was 72-3 to in the simulation. <laughs> Mike Loxley, by the way, is now the offensive coordinator. Alabama, Alabama. <laughs> roll tide. <laughs> this story never gets old. Every time I see it in September, so maybe I'll share. I'll share this just so people can see it again because it's amazing. But 
Yeah, me and him are on Facebook. I always see him. I'm like, oh, I remember that. He always has the photo of the clipping. Remember that time I got to fight Mike Loxley? So, yeah, he's now the OC at Roll Tide. That's amazing. Is that a good way to end the show? Good story time? I think so. Like, right. can, can we preface it, though, or maybe frame it by saying it may be a rough season for the Lobos? But I don't, I don't think there are any 72 to nothing beatdowns on the horizon. I would not say that. I would say the biggest blowout might be Boise State. And that might be, at most, I could say maybe a 40-point difference. But they always play Boise tough. Well, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If the wins and losses unfold as we think that they will, you know, because we're saying 2-10, and 10, but we're also saying they're not going to win a single Mountain West game this year. At what point does Davey's job really become in jeopardy? Or if you think there's a point at which he gets fired, what is that point? I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm surprised Bob Davey's even the head coach at this moment as we speak here in pre-Memorial Day as we're recording this. I will say this. If they um, if they have the schedule predictions of our two victories, they have no bye week outside of after New Mexico State and Liberty. So that's kind of – sometimes you have a fire coach – give him a week the OC or whoever to step in give him some time that's what happened with Tim DeRuiter that's right um so there's that that's not really on the table unless they lose incarnate word then we'll see but one two three four so you're basically asking me if he'll be fired in season right yes I'd give that a, I, I never want to say for certain because whatever I'm, I'm not gonna say for certain I would say if he's gonna lose, lose his job I'd say it's after the Utah State game if they go, you know what? I was looking at that too because <laughs> at least at that point they would have three of their last four games at home, mm-hmm. which might make it a little more tenable for an interim coach, which I would assume would be Kevin Cosgrove because he took over during the suspension. Yeah. Also to consider if there's more that comes out about because now I guess the Dana Libet did the um, I forget what type of form it was, but some sort of a not a grammar not a grammar request or a freedom of information FOIA request some FOIA request. Some sort of request like that to get information from emails and stuff. That could cause us to speed it up, but we can't really handle that because the Lobos have been really shading that part, which is mm-hmm. probably not best for Davey. But if we take out that part of it, I'd still say Utah State's today. If they lose Utah State, he's out. I think you're probably right. We, okay, let me ask one, go one step further. Will he be the coach next year? Bob Davey? Yes. No. What would it take him for to be the coach next year in 2019? I mean, he'd have to go bowling. You think that's and, that's and, he'd, and he'd probably have to win it too. Because his record, seven years or six years, thirty and forty-five. The average is five wins a year. Yeah, and I mean that some of that is you know skewed a little bit by the fact that he inherited kind of a mess. Yeah. And you know, winning nine games is no easy feat in Albuquerque. And nearly won the division. He tied for the division in what twenty sixteen. Yeah, but I think if you're if you end up bottoming out like this, I really don't think there's a situation where you can save your job. And that's why I also think bringing the new OC is part because was he fired? Right? Didn't they fire the OC? Well, that's because they let go of Rich Rodriguez because of the no 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 his I mean, off his off the field issue. Bob DeBee's the best. The OC didn't he oh, get yeah, fired. He did. He yeah. didn't take the job. He got fired. Then took a head coaching job. All right, well, that's it for Lobo Show. Two and what? Two and eleven? Two and ten? Two and ten is the schedule we have for them. Uh, we've gone a good sixty plus minutes, so you're welcome. As we, what's the word should we use? Trudge, endure. What's the word of the off season we should use to continue marching on? We strut. We strut through the off season with everybody here, folks. So check us out, mwr.com. 
Find our podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you get pod- podcasts are sold for free, obviously. Let us know and subscribe. Tell a friend. If you tell two friends and they tell a couple more friends, let them know. Share this on Lobo Lair. Go tell go have Mark tell Mark to retweet us, Matt. Think he'll do it for us? The retired yeah. Lobo Lair? Yes. So I we, we try to do our best. Let, one last quick question because we're really going to wrap it up now. What would be the most wins they could get this year? The most wins? I think it's four. Like beating maybe like UNLV and Air Force. Or maybe New Mexico it, State. I'd say four, maybe five, but I'm comfortable with four because New Mexico State, maybe uh, Utah State. Or UNLV. I mean, I, I think the most optimistic picture is they go six and six. Really? But that's because they become like unexpected road warriors. Because I think that, you know, I think there's a chance they could beat New Mexico State. Yeah. I think there's a chance they could beat UNLV. I can see that, yeah. I think there's a chance they could beat Utah State. Maybe, yeah. Not out of Air question. Force, Air Force and Wyoming. Okay. But I, four of those five games are on the road, yeah. which is asking a lot. I think I'd go five. I think five is is the most they can get if they overachieve vastly. And so that's what we got for you, Lobos fans. Again, check us out at MWR.com. We're going to start our top 50 countdown, um, our own preseason list, all sorts of fun breakdowns of everything. And let us know how you like the show. If you enjoy it, if you hate it, either way, we'd like to know. And also, five stars. And then tell us how you feel on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to leave a comment on a podcast. Let us know. And we'll be back. uh, We'll see you later, folks, next time.